Welcome, my grasshoppers, to the second episode of the Kung Fu Movie Database, a brand new podcast dedicated to all things Chop Socky, brought to you in part by the Ruminations Radio Network. Every fortnight, we'll be bringing you news, reviews, and deep dives from the worlds of martial arts and Asian cinema. But this is only the first step in our quest for internet domination, as we'll also be launching a website and a YouTube channel in quite rapid succession. Consider it a three-pronged diagram poll attack. Now, if you love Kung Fu, then we'll always have your back. I'm your host, Neil Gray, and usually I'd be introducing my co-host and heterosexual life partner, Matthew Pitbull Redding, about now. Unfortunately, his youngest has come down with a case of the chicken pox. So he's off doing dad things, which is thoroughly, thoroughly understandable under the circumstances. But that's the problem with having kids. Kind of ruins any plans you might have for world domination. Anyway, get well soon, little one. Now, if you listen to the first episode, you'll know that we took a look at the life and career of the one and only Bruce Lee. But for the second episode, we decided to do something a little different. Here at KFMD, we want to be all inclusive. Whether you're a lifelong fan of the genre or a newbie dipping their toes into the water for the first time, we want you all to feel welcome. We also know that if you're trying to get into martial arts films and Asian cinema, they can be quite a daunting prospect. With thousands upon thousands of movies to choose from, it can seem almost impossible to know where to start. But fear not, my grasshoppers, and let KFMD light the way. Whereas every odd-numbered episode will take a deep look at a star, director, or studio for you more hardcore fans to over-agree with or get very insulted with, every even-numbered one will bring you a beginner's guide to kung fu films. And to kick this off, we put together a list of 10 fight scenes that we think anyone new to the genre should go and check out on that their YouTube. Let me stress, this isn't a top 10. It doesn't come in any order. It's just 10 scenes that we enjoy and think you might as well. Right. Make sense? Cool. Let's get on with it, shall we? First up is the final fight scene from Fist of Legend starring Jet Li and Billy Chow. Now, I like this. It's a good film. It's ballsy to remake anything by Bruce Lee. And Jet Li is pretty much a god in my eyes. What I really really enjoy about this scene is the way that Billy Chow is portrayed as this unstoppable killing machine and yet Jet Li still manages to beat him down even with a dislocated shoulder. I rewatched this this morning because you know trying to watch 10 fight scenes of when you've got two young children running around the house can be difficult at the best of times but there's just something so beautifully poetic about the way that Lee takes such a whooping throughout the entire fight to the point where, like I just said, he gets his arm dislocated and yet he still somehow manages to come out on top. Yes, there's a, I wouldn't say a lot of wire work, but there's enough wire work in there for you to know there's wire work in there. But it's just beautifully done. It's well thought out. It's, Pace is so frantic, you can hardly catch your breath. Now, I know a lot of martial arts stars or directors will speed the film up to make it look like their leading characters are that quick. 
But knowing Jet Li, knowing the films he's made, sorry, and knowing Billy Chow and the films he's been in, you can't disbelieve that this was done at this pace, that there is no trickery involved outside of flying around on wires, and that they did literally have such great coordination and great choreography together that they got it done in the way that they get it done. There are a couple of things that annoy me. The statue plant pot thing outside that breaks and is blatantly obvious to be nothing more than polystyrene or some really, really cheap-ass blaster. And the fact that when Chow kicks Lee and he lands on the alleged stone bench, the bench breaks before Lee lands on it. Like somebody's pulled a string, the whole thing just kind <laughs> of collapses in the middle. But outside of that, there is nothing wrong with this fight. It's it's a glorious piece of work from Jet Li and Billy Chang. Initially, we were just going to have the whole idea behind this was to have like one scene from one actor. Um, so you wouldn't get Jet Li versus Donnie Yen in Hero because Donnie Yen's in here later on. Though you should go and check that fight scene out. It's it's a battle of the minds and the wills, and it's just fucking fantastic. Or you wouldn't get Donnie Yen against Sammo Hung because Sammo Hung is here later on as well. Though go and check out the fight scenes between those two in Ip Man and also in SPL. Weirdly enough, Billy Chow pops up a couple of times in this. He seems to be the guy on the end of the ass whooping, but my God, he holds his own in such a way against somebody as good as Jet Li and whose character has obviously been written in such a way as to be the guy that comes out on top that you kind of end up rooting for him. Yes, he's an asshole. Yes, he tries to stab him upside the head when he's not looking. But he does such a great version of villain that part of you is like, well, it'd be nice for the bad guy to win once in a while. Obviously, he's not going because he's up against Jet Li, and Jet Li kicks everybody's ass. But this scene is great. His ego, his superiority complex is matched by Jet's ability to basically play the everyman who just happens to be a kung fu fucking master. I've said it before and I'll say it again. It takes a lot of balls to remake a Bruce Lee movie. And Fist of Legend could have fallen flat on its face because it is, for those of you who don't know, it's a remake of Fist of Fury. But it doesn't. The whole movie is great. And this fight scene just sums up the best parts of it in about nine and a half. No, I think it's about 14 minutes, this. Um, it, probably about nine and a half if you cut out all the acting at the beginning of it. So, yes, go forth to the YouTube, find this fight. If this is your first introduction to Jet Li, this is the jumping off point you need because it is just great. Both actors come out of this looking amazingly strong. And it's just a piece of art. Next up on the block, we have Jackie Chan. Now, I could have picked a lot of Jackie Chan fights because Jackie Chan's made a lot of fucking films. And this probably is going to upset some of you out there listening to it who aren't going to agree with me and blah, 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 blah. Jackie Chan was better than this. Jackie Chan was better than that. But the fact is, for somebody who's not really experienced a Jackie Chan film outside of the American stuff he's done, 
the fight scene from Drunken Master when he uses the Drunken Master style for the first time just has everything that encapsulates why Jackie Chan is so good at what he does. It's funny. It's action-packed. It's brilliantly put together. The movement, the fists, the feet, the chairs. The In fact, he uses a goddamn wooden stool to beat people with and does it in such a way. There's a bit where he has... He flips over the stool and he lands on he lands on the back of a guy. And the guy lifts him up. And they told the guy to move out of the way. And they move out of the way. And Jackie Chan is just in a perfect arc whilst drinking booze. This ticks every Jackie Chan box. It shows his ability to be able to turn his hand to anything. He can be funny and violent at the same time whilst also telling a story. These guys robbed a necklace. He went and got the necklace back. Then the other guys involved decide to start a fight with him, and he kicks the living snot out of them. And the fact he has to get pissed to do it. This is all down to the late, great Anita Wui. Wui? Apologise if I've pronounced her last name wrong. I'm terrible at names. Who plays his mother in the film. And... To be honest, she plays his mother in the film, and the guy that plays his actor, um, sorry, the actor that plays his dad in the film can't be any more than a couple of years older than Jackie, but, you know, willing suspension of disbelief. And the fact she eggs him on. I mean, she's trying to save their um, martial arts school by selling um, items to keep the money coming in, but she just eggs him on. And she does it in, in a way that she, her argument is, well, look, if you show the drunken style, then people are going to start coming to our school because they're going to be like, wow, this is great. And she eggs him on and eggs him on. And then when it looks like people are losing interest because they can't understand why he's fighting in the way he is, she starts throwing booze at him and he gets so plastered and goes straight into the proper drunken style. And, oh, drunken monkey is just the greatest thing in the world. The fact that Chan basically came up with this whole style of fighting himself for the first drunken master and then expands on it in Drunken Master 2. It's just amazing. It just it blows my mind every time I think about it. And it's a tragedy she died at the age of 40. But she was at her best here. Her role in this film is sensational, and the actual fight scene itself is great, especially at the end where his father shows up angry because he's drunk, and Jackie doesn't realise that he's still not that he's not fighting the bad guys anymore and starts fighting his dad seriously you have to trust me on this it's a great scene go and watch it all right next up was going to be the alleyway fight scene from where the dragon with bruce lee because i've always loved that fight um due to the fact that it just shows how clever Bruce Lee was and how he could write comedy mainly because the main bad guy in the alleyway fight is just a yellow bastard who does everything he can do to not get into a scrap with Bruce and then when Bruce finally does beat him he just beats him so simply but I discovered that there's a 39 minute version of the tower scene from Game of Death 
um i think give me a second folks i just want to check this out if you go onto youtube and type in bruce lee's game of death original 2013 then you will find the full 39 minute fight scene if you don't happen to own game of death which anybody in the right mind shouldn't and my god it's it's such a good piece of work and it's such a tragedy that he never got to finally finish i never got to finish the film from the first moment where he comes up the fact that three of them are trying to bust their way up to the top of this tower to win the prize i suppose i mean if you've seen the version of game of death that they did release it doesn't really make any sense it would have been interesting to see what lee had planned for the whole situation um but we'll just say that these three guys are trying to bust their way up to the top of this tower to win a prize i don't know mario star or something whatever and the two other guys with lee are basically cannon fodder and this is blatantly obvious from the first moment that he walks into they they all walk into the first room and they come up against the guy with the red sticks and the guy with the red sticks bitch slaps the first guy that goes after him and then lee beats the crap out of him and they go to the next and the next guy is basically this is this this is just to annoy pitbull for not showing up tonight he's judo chop and he judo chops his way around and while they're doing this one of the guys runs upstairs to fight the third level guy and you just see the motherfucker go upstairs and about 20 seconds later come flying back down the stairs and boom dead on the floor and it struck me the other day that this fight scene may very well have been responsible for a lot of video games fighting video games where you know you have to take on x amount of, i mean basically fighting video games in my mind are just game of death extended because you have to beat this guy 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 then you get the full story so it all started here it all started with bruce lee taking on the guy with red sticks mr judo top chop and kareem abdul jabbar oh my god kareem abdul jabbar that motherfucker was sorry was is huge and lee taught him how to fight and the fact that a man that tall can move that fluidly and with that amount of precision it just it's just mind-blowing interesting fact i read somewhere they said that the reason that lee wore the now iconic jumpsuit that everybody knows him for but only ever wore in game of death was so that when kareem abdul jabbar kicks him they could put a footprint on it and you could see how big the motherfucker's foot was it wouldn't have worked on any other color even more interesting fact if you look at the color of the suit he's wearing it's not yellow it's sunburst orange that's just something i only discovered the other day anyway game of death could have been a fantastic film would have been if lee had survived and this fight scene has set the standard for so many so many films tv series video games how i said it on the last episode there's even an entire spongebob episode that's dedicated to game of death where sandy cheeks has to go and save spongebob from pat mariah who's trying to sell him a timeshare so if you haven't seen this take my advice go on youtube and watch it now i would like to draw your attention 
to the greatest fight, in my humble opinion, ever committed to celluloid, which is Donnie Yen versus Wu Jing from Killzone SPL, depending on where you got your copy of your movie. It's an alleyway fight between Yen and Jing that is so brutal that is so goddamn violent that the first time i saw it i had to re-watch it about four or five times to make sure i'd seen what i'd just seen the use of baton against knife the fact that they are blatantly just there to kill each other and to test each other's strength it's just i cannot do the scene justice. SPL, stroke kill zone, or whatever it's called these days, because which you can actually, if you go onto YouTube and type in kill zone SPL, you can find an English dub version on there currently. How long this is going to stay on there is completely and utterly beyond me. And it isn't as good as obviously reading subtitles because we all love to do that, blah, blah, blah. But if you don't want to go out and fork out £10 for a DVD. Go and watch it on there. SPL is one of my favourite films. It's brilliantly written. It's got... I won't spoil it for you, but it's such a fucking downer of a film. Like, it's unbelievably depressing. Um, but that's what makes it so good. It's, it's totally... Oh, my God. This is just... Oh, but wow. But, yeah, it's just... I can't explain it without ruining it for you trust me on this it's so depressing it's depressingly good and the fight scene between these two in an alleyway and my god donnie yen is something else as is wu jing like i've said before a lot of directors and actors will speed up their footage but there is no way this was sped up it's just a choreography between the two it's on point it's so quick, it's so fast, and it's done so well that if you blink, you miss it. I think the fight itself is only about five minutes long, and the ending of it is just unbelievably brutal. But it's one of those things you have to see to believe, so trust me on this, which is, appears to be something I sang quite a lot in this episode. Go and watch that fight. You won't be disappointed. Again, something else that I'm saying quite a lot in this episode. Then we have Sammo Hung versus Billy Chow. Billy Chow's second appearance on this, not really a list, just a piece of advice. It's the fight scene from Petty Grab Driver. And the reason I put this in is Sammo Hung takes a beating better than anybody I've ever seen in a martial arts film. Sammo Hung shouldn't be a martial artist, that's not meant as a mark of disrespect, but if you look at the guy, he's a big motherfucker. And the way he can move, and the way he can fight for a guy of his size, it's just not logical. And then we put him up against Billy Chow in this scene. And Billy Chow, I mean, the scene's not even three minutes long. Billy Chow spends, I'd say about two and a half minutes Beating the shit out of Sammo Hung before losing or dying, I suppose. It's just 
proves that Sammo Hung is one of the most unsung heroes of Kung Fu movies or Asian cinema full stop. He's funny in it as well. There's a, there's a clip where he, where Billy Chow is egging him on by doing the hand gesture. You know, come on. His arms out straight and his fingers are just going, come on, come on. So Sammo Hung, being Sammo Hung, goes to do the same thing. And every time he goes to do it, Billy Chow slaps him, slaps his hand, hurts him. And it ends up with Sammo with his hand right by his side going, come on in, come on in, come on in. And it just makes me laugh every time. It's, Pettigraff Drive is a great film. Sammo Hung is a fucking comedy genius. And this is the perfect, perfect representation of it. Hey kids, it's Don Shanahan from the Cinephile History Fit, one of the podcasts on the Ruminations Radio Network. If you've been enjoying this show, come listen to Will Johnson and I fight it out over cinema's best and worst on Cinephile History Fit. Find us and all the great shows over on RuminationsRadioNetwork.com. Tony Yar's up next in The Protector, the story about a young man and his elephants. It's a good film. Tony Yar is, I hate to use the word genius, but if you go and watch the stair fight scene from this film, you'll understand why I think he is. It's all shot as one shot until he gets to the top and then he gets into the final fight scene. Ignore that bit. The bit where he goes up the stairs is all one shot. It's just him, a load of fucking stuntmen in this massive building, which is basically, I know, a shopping mall, I suppose, or a shopping center, as we say in the UK. And it's one take the entire way up. Now, Scorsese did this in Goodfellas, and everybody lost their fucking mind. Everybody went, my God, Mike Scorsese, he's a genius. Tony Yar did it in The Protector whilst fighting and throwing people off of balconies into, obviously, crash mats and shit, but you don't get to see that part, though you do see guys fall. The first guy he kicks off of the first floor balcony, goes straight through the fucking railing, flips over and lands on the concrete, and you see him come down, and you see him hit the ground and bounce. So, yeah, there are crash mats around eventually the higher up they get, but there is no fucking about with this scene he did it all in one take they're throwing people at him and he's putting them down and he's putting people through walls and they're throwing shit at him and they're attacking him and to be able to do a scorsese whilst fighting and not get the respect for it just makes me wonder sometimes where film fans actually keep their brains i'm going to say in their ass it's unique it's never been done before it's never been done since tony yar might very well be a mad genius i mean there was those rumors he did go a little bit loopy for want of a better turn of phrase um a few years back i hope he's feeling better in himself these days because he was such a talent, and he still is. This was at the peak of the Tony Yar craze, and maybe it was that pressure that pushed him over the edge. But the fact that he 
had the balls, the fucking audacity to go, yeah, you know what? We can do this. And if one of them fucks up, that's a whole reshoot. Everything has to be reset. Everything has to be fixed. So that's time. That's money. But to be able to go out there and say, you know what? Fuck it. I believe in my team. I believe in me. And do it and nail it. It's just glorious. It's definitely, definitely something you need to see. Something a bit more old school next with uh, Jimmy Wang Yu's final fight from Master of the Flying Guillotine. Master of the Flying Guillotine chops off your fucking head. Fatal Flying Guillotine, man. Wu-Tang for life. Jimmy Wang Yu's an interesting character. Hell of an actor. Great martial artist. Might have had his wife's husband at the time bumped off so he could marry her. I said might, Jimmy, just in case you ever hear this. Maybe had ties to Yakuza members again. I said maybe, Jimmy, if you ever hear this. But a hell of a filmmaker, hell of an action star, hell of a martial artist. And the whole concept behind the master of the flying guillotine, the fact you've got a blind master of the flying guillotine who can't see shit, but has sensational herring. Hence why you can throw a flying guillotine and chop off your fucking head against a one-armed martial artist, which is blatantly based on Jimmy's um, one-armed swordsman. Because he hasn't, he just literally has one arm. Go head to head in a climactic fight of a movie. Shouldn't have worked, but does. Master of Flying Guillotine's a great film, as I said. This fight scene is brilliant as it shows almost like the old school becoming new school, where though it's still entrenched in. Shaw Brothers, Chinese opera style of movements. They're willing to try different and new things. There's a little bit more, well, we could do this. Let's try that. Let's try to take it out of this era of filmmaking and maybe push it a little bit forward. Sorry, I can't say the word forward. Always makes my partner laugh. And then when they finally end the fight in a god damn what are they called I was going to say coffin place Undertakers and they're fighting in an Undertakers which has got to be the most meta thing in the world because obviously one of them is going to die it's just it's, it's so different and at the time it was so different though like I said it's steeped in tradition the idea of the flying guillotine wasn't really something that had been explored before. And the fact that Jimmy Wang Yu wins, though obviously going to be one of those cases where he would. I, I don't know. It's difficult to explain. This is one of those where I'm actually genuinely struggling to figure out how to explain it. How do you explain a one-armed guy killing a blind dude with a flying guillotine and cutting off his fucking head? Go and watch it yourself. If you can figure it out, let me know. It is glorious, though. 
Next up is Gordon Lau. Lau. Again, I'm terrible with pronunciations. In the monk fight scene from Legendary Weapons of China. Now, I could see a lot of people would be getting, well, why don't you go for 36 Chambers or Return to 36 Chambers? Though I love those films. Legendary Weapons of China just has a soft spot in my heart, man. I don't know why. Always has. It's one of the better, later Shaw Brothers movies. And this scene where Gordon just shows up and starts beating the crap out of a family for no reason whatsoever, whilst using his iron head kung fu and his iron back kung fu. I mean, it's got it all, man. It's got magic in it. One guy sticks to the ceiling and just hangs up there, and there's flames and explosions and look at me i'm monkey it's it's great it's it's probably the closest to an old school fight scene it is the closest to an old school fight scene that i would suggest anyone who isn't entrenched in kung fu to go and watch because it's the easiest way into it it's it's very mystical at times but it's also very very well done because everybody in the scene is more than capable of holding the rope. Then we've got Michelle Yeoh versus Jing. Oh, this again, I'm terrible with pronunciations. Zai from Crash and Tiger Hidden Dragon. Um, I'm kind of torn over Ang Lee's classic. As with the big boss of Bruce Lee, I like it, I don't love it. What I do love, however, is this scene between um, Yo and Ziyi. Ziyu, again, the way these two handle the swords and the weapons that they're given is poetry. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I, I was a huge fan of Michelle Yeoh at the time, and then I saw Zhang Zi in this, and I just fell madly in love with her, so that might have had something to do with it. But there's a beauty to this that you don't get in... The rest of the film, even though people said it was a visual masterpiece, blah, blah, blah. It's just as if Yo's trying to teach her a lesson, and the only way she can do that is by fighting. There's no, doesn't seem to be any punches pulled here. And yes, again, there's wire work involved. It's proper wushu. But it's just the simplistic beauty of two people fighting in a way that, again, is a brutal ballet. Definitely, if you haven't seen this one, go and check it out, because it's just great. And finally, Stephen Chow. Now, I'm not a huge Stephen Chow fan, I'll be honest. I love Shaolin Soccer. I thought it was fantastic from the first time I saw it. And I rewatched it with my partner via YouTube, which I suggest you go and do free of charge the other day. And we both fell around laughing because Shaolin Soccer, it's just, it's just funny. But normally, the rest of his stuff just leaves me a little cold. It doesn't connect with me. It's I understand what he's trying to do, but it's a bit too Looney Tunes, which is weird because I absolutely adore Looney Tunes. There's nothing funnier in the world to me than somebody getting an anvil dropped on them. But in his films, it just doesn't seem to click. Having said that, the knife-throwing scene from Kung Fu Hustle had me rolling in the aisles the other day. I mean, this was one of those, Stephen Chow had to be in here. I wasn't sh sure what I would suggest. Some um, Pitbull wasn't really sure what we should, which one we should talk about because he knows how much I don't rate Stephen Chow, I suppose. Um, and then I stumbled across this. I, I didn't like Kung Fu Hustle. Still don't. But it's the scene where they're 
in the alleyway and he's trying to kill the old woman or the matriarch of the family. And he pulls out a knife and he throws it and it hits the knife and goes flying back and hits him in the shoulder. And I just lost my shit. And he goes to throw another one. Oh no, then he's, he tells his friend to come up and throw a knife and his friend stabs him by accident. And this goes on and he ends up with three knives stuck in him. And then the guy that he's with turns around and goes, oh my God, how did that knife get in there? And he's like that. Well, I don't know. And the guy goes and pulls a knife out and he screams and he goes, what the hell, man? He goes, oh, do you want me to put it back? And he puts it back in the hole. And credit where it's due, I fucking plotzed over that. I thought it was the funniest thing I'd seen in a fucking long time. And I stand by that. It's not a fight scene. He ends up throwing a handle by mistake because the knife's stuck in Stephen Chow's arm. It's not really a fight scene. There's not really any fighting. But it's just the perfect example of why kung fu movies and asian cinema appeal to me because in all the madness of what's going on on the screen no matter how serious something can be there's always room for comedy if it's done well and this scene is done well so there you have it another episode of the kung fu movie database is in the bag and we hope that we've given anyone interested in exploring the wonderful world of martial arts movies a guiding hand along the way if you want to talk to us about our choices or just fancy calling us idiots, then you can find us on Twitter at the KFMD. On behalf of myself and the sadly missing Pitbull, thank you for listening to the show. And now you've finished here, head on over to the Ruminations Radio Network to get all the podcasts your ears will ever need. We'll be back in a couple of weeks with part one of our Jackie Chan deep dive. Until then, stay safe, grasshoppers. We'll speak to you soon. 